The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, May 17, 2020, on the basis of 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 10. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. In a normal year, we would be entering right into the heart of graduation season right about now. Each and every May, graduates from all levels of education and from all over our country reach this important milestone in their lives. A milestone that, on the one hand, marks the end of something. It marks the successful completion of a specific program of study, but a milestone that also marks the beginning of something. It is, after all, a a graduation, a step from one thing on to the next. It is a commencement, as we often refer to it, the start of something brand new. As a result, graduations are absolutely saturated with this very simple but very powerful thing that we've been talking about this Easter. They are full of hope, full of the conviction that the best is yet to come. Of course, graduations in our country are going to look a little bit different this year. In fact, here at Good News, today was supposed to be the day when we marked a very important milestone in the lives of six young people from our church. Today was going to be their confirmation day. Confirmation also marks the end of something. It marks the end of an intensive period of study of the Word of God. But it also marks the beginning of something. Confirmation signals the start of the time in a person's life when increasingly they will have to make their faith and make their relationship with God their own responsibility. As we mark that important milestone in the lives of these six young people, I can think of no better words to have in front of us this morning than these words from 1 Peter chapter 2. And not just for them, but really for all of us as we take a moment this morning to sort of take stock of our spiritual lives, to mark, on the one hand, what already lies completed in the past, and also to look ahead to what still lies ahead. And yet, before we dig into these words from 1 Peter chapter 2 this morning, I feel the need to warn you. You see, I'm guessing that you have heard a graduation speech or two in your day. And if that's the case, then I'm guessing you have heard a graduation speaker stand in front of a group of graduates and tell them that as they begin this important new stage in their life, they can chart absolutely whatever course they might want. They can follow their dreams. They can listen to their hearts. They can do absolutely anything that they would possibly want to do. A lot of very famous commencement speeches have shared sentiments exactly like that. Steve Jobs basically said that at Stanford in 2005. Oprah basically said that at Harvard in 2013. But this morning, the Apostle Peter wants to say something very different. He wants us to picture our lives sort of like a building project. And if that's the case, then the very first stone that we would put down in this building project, the very first step that we would take, can't just be in any direction. We can't just pick any stone. No, we need to pick the right stone. Just one stone, in fact, will do. And not only that, but the one stone Peter tells us to put down first is a stone that is so easily dismissed and so easily rejected by so many in our world. 
In fact, as we think about starting our building project, by putting down this particular stone, we might be tempted to wonder how the project is going to turn out. We might be tempted to think that a a time that is otherwise saturated with hope would somehow have that hope diminished or even altogether dead. And yet, once again, we're going to see this morning that because Jesus is alive, hope is also alive. And that is true even when we build our lives on a stone that so many in our world would just dismiss or reject. As we think about the building project that is our lives, and as we look at these verses from 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter's message to us is simply this, that there is just one stone worth starting with. In Peter's day, that stone that would have been put down first in a building project was referred to as the cornerstone, just like in our day. Only unlike in our day, in Peter's day, a cornerstone was much more than a decorative stone. The cornerstone set the path and determined the direction for the rest of the foundation of the building. The cornerstone determined whether the rest of the foundation was square and thus whether the walls that were built on that foundation would be strong and true. So not just any stone could be chosen for the cornerstone. It had to be just the right stone. So what kind of stone would a good builder pick? You know, it's kind of interesting to picture our lives like a building project and to picture ourselves as the builders. It sort of gives the impression that as we live our lives, it's it's sort of like we, we show up for work, we do a bunch of work, and then at the end of that work, we take a step back and we do what what builders do. We inspect, we assess, we evaluate the things that we have done. I'm sure you've experienced this at various stages of your life. So, for example, you you go off to high school or you go off to college, and maybe the thing that you're trying to build more than anything else is an image, what people think about you. And maybe that's based on, on the way that you dress or the music that you listen to. Maybe it's based on your sense of humor or on your accomplishments in the classroom or on the court. And then as you have opportunity to, to hear the chatter that goes on in the school hallways or on the social media platforms, you have an opportunity to to step back and inspect and assess this image you've built. A while later after that, you, of course, start to build your career. You want to put that education to work. And then after a while, perhaps you're at a, a social gathering where you meet someone new, and of course, they ask you what you do. And even as you are telling them about your career, internally you are also inspecting and assessing. What will they think? Will, will they be impressed? Am I proud of the career that I've built? Maybe at some point in your life you build a home. You buy a house. You redo all the landscaping. You take on a few home remodeling projects. And then when it's all said and done, you invite your friends over. And as you take them around the house and and show them what you've built, internally all the while you are inspecting and assessing. You're wondering, what do they think? Is my house as as nice as their house? Maybe at some point you even build a family. You get married, you have children, and of course you, you want to teach those children everything that they need to know. You want to build them into the children that you want them to be, so you make sure that they know their ABCs, and how to tie their shoes, and and how to dribble and shoot a basketball. And then you sit there on the bleachers at the game with the other parents, and you inspect, 
and you assess. How does your child compare to the other children on the team? Is he just as good? Or is there something that we immediately need to rush back home and and work on with his game? It's sort of interesting to picture our lives like a building project and to picture ourselves as the builders with this constant rhythm of building and then inspecting, of assembling and then assessing. So let me ask, when those internal building inspection conversations take place inside your head, how do those conversations usually go? Have you ever experienced what I I know I've experienced, that no matter what you've built, no matter how long it took you, no matter how good it turned out and how hard you tried, you take a step back and you look at what you've built and, and still it feels as though it doesn't measure up, that it's not good enough, or that it's not quite as good as what someone else has built. You know those feelings, those feelings of shame, feelings of inadequacy, maybe even feelings of embarrassment, do you know what those feelings prove? They prove that what so many graduation speakers have said in so many graduation speeches is flat out wrong. They prove that as you start this building project and as you think about what stone is going to go down first, you can't just do whatever you want. You can't just pick any old stone. You can't just follow your heart and listen to your dreams. You can't just put down any stone first. It has to be the right stone. So which stone is worthy? I'm guessing it won't come as any surprise to hear Peter or to hear a pastor say that Jesus is that stone. In these verses, Peter refers to Jesus as the cornerstone, the one stone that is worthy to be the stone that goes down first. But what we need to pay very careful attention to in these verses is why Peter tells us that is the case. Here's what Peter says. As you come to Jesus, the living stone, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. So did you catch it? When Jesus is the cornerstone, the stone that is put down first, everything about the rest of the picture completely changes. If we start with Jesus... Because of what Jesus has done for you, because Jesus lived and he died for you, you are no longer the builder in this picture. Instead, God is the builder and you are the building. What that means is that all of that inspection and assessment that so often we get caught up in and the feelings of shame and embarrassment that often go with them, all of it can stop. As Peter says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. In other words, Peter is saying to you, don't inspect and assess your life based on the career that you've built. Why? Because God has already given you a job. God has made you a priest. What that means is that you now have direct access to God. In the corporate ladder of Christ's kingdom, there is absolutely no one who occupies a position that is higher than you. You can go right to the top floor, right to God himself directly. Peter says, don't inspect and assess your life 
based on the family you've built or the circle of friends that you've built. Why? Because now you're part of a new group. You're part of a chosen people. You're part of a holy nation. Peter says, don't inspect and assess your life based on your possessions, based on the things that you own. Why? Because God owns you. You are his prized possession. You are something precious and priceless to him. You are something that God wants to pick up, and you are something that God wants to build with. You see, it's not just as though Jesus is, is one more option, one more stone that we can put down first. No, when, when Jesus is the stone that goes down first, everything else about this picture changes. We are no longer the builder. We are instead part of God's building. It's no wonder then that the builders do what they do with this stone. Peter tells us that the builders have rejected this stone. The idea that the responsibility for putting up a structure that passes inspection belongs to somebody else, well, that's the last thing that a builder wants to hear. A builder wants to be the one to do all of that work. So the big question is, how do you take someone who wants to be a builder and convince them to stop building? By nature, all of us want to be the builders of our lives, It's only natural for us to feel that way. But do you know who really wants to be a builder? A graduate or a confirmand. Really anyone who is standing at the very start of something brand new in their life. Someone who is about to embark on the next big stage of their life. Someone whose life is full of hope that their best days are yet to come. Of course, someone like that wants to be the builder. Their entire lives are in front of them. The the world is their oyster. Of course, surely, given enough time with enough determination and enough willpower and perseverance, they can build something that passes their own inspection. In fact, we might even be tempted to think that it's not even possible for someone else, for someone like a, a pastor or someone like their parents, for someone who has done a little bit more building and a little bit more inspecting, for someone who has felt those feelings of shame and embarrassment and inadequacy, we might wonder whether it's even possible for someone like that to convince these young, wide-eyed, optimistic builders to stop building, to instead put down Christ as the cornerstone and thus become part of God's building. Thankfully, convincing builders to stop building doesn't depend on that. God has actually provided us with something far better. Here's what Peter says. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So the builders didn't suddenly decide to make Christ the cornerstone. No, they only rejected Christ as the stone that is worth starting with. But instead, God has made Christ the cornerstone, Peter says. And God did that by raising Jesus from the dead. Jesus' resurrection has established him as a stone that is immovable in our path, a stone that can't really just be rejected or dismissed or thrown aside. 
Sure, those who want to keep building in their lives can try and cast Jesus aside, but as Peter says, it won't work. That immovable stone that they try and get rid of will only cause them to stumble and fall. In spite of their best efforts, trying to get rid of that stone will only land them flat on their faces. But on the other hand, Peter says, anyone who sees and who shares God's assessment of Jesus, that he is the one stone worth putting down first, that person becomes part of God's building project. That person becomes a member of God's chosen people, his holy nation. That person becomes God's prized possession. Which means that all of that inspecting and assessing, all of that shame and embarrassment can come to a complete end. As Peter says, the one who trusts in him, who trusts in Jesus, will never be put to shame. Friends, there is just one stone that is worth starting with, and Easter has proven that stone is Jesus. You know, as I think about our our six confirmation students here at Good News, it occurs to me that confirmation also marks the beginning of something else very important in their lives. It marks the very start of the time during which increasingly there will be more and more voices and more and more words filling their heads, telling them what stone they should put down first and how they should build their lives. Up until this point, it's been at least possible and and maybe even fairly easy for people like their parents or like their pastors to sort of have a, a monopoly on the things that they hear. But increasingly, as they go off to high school and as they go off to college, it will be their professors and their peers. It will be the lectures and the podcasts that they listen to and the books and the blogs that they read that fill their heads with those kinds of words, those kinds of voices, trying to influence them on how to build their lives. And that would be incredibly troubling if God had, made, had not made this so simple and so clear. Jesus' resurrection from the dead has established him as the one stone worth putting down first. Which means that even though these young people's heads will be filled with so many words and so many voices trying to influence them on how to build their lives, there will always be seven important words that stand out above the rest. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Jesus' resurrection has proven, has established him as the one stone worth starting with. And so confirmation students, I'm fully aware that you are not going to remember for the rest of your lives each and every of the countless words that I shared with you during our confirmation class. In fact, I'm pretty convinced that you aren't going to remember any of the 2,000 words that have been a part of this sermon so far. And that's okay, as long as you remember those seven important words. Because those words will not only convince you that in the building project that is your life, there's just one stone worth starting with, those words will also remind you of who that stone is. Why? Because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.